Apostates Anonymous, the show you turn to when you're no longer an evangelical, with your hosts, hosts, authors Keith Giles and Matthew J. DiStefano. Welcome back to Apostates Anonymous. We're sure that you've caught up with uh, all the episodes since our relaunch, but in case you haven't, head back a couple episodes, give them a listen, then come back here. Keith, how are you? Well, Matt, I am doing pretty good considering, um, and I'm very, very happy to be back on this episode of Apostates Anonymous. I got to say, if I haven't said it before, this is so much fun for me. I love doing this. This one might not be as fun. We've had some heavy, heavy ones. I mean, last time we talked about suffering. This time we're going to talk about the, the, the abort two two men are going to talk about the abortion thing going on with the SCOTUS leak. And yeah, no. So now you have, let me just, you haven't had an abortion, have you? No, I've had none. I so haven't either. I've never you had haven't an either. So, so uh, I said, we, Mike and I talked about, about it on the bonfire sessions years ago. Like, take everything that we say about abortion with a giant block of salt, you know? Yeah, because, yes, this will be a <laughs> podcast where two, two guys are going to talk about something they really don't know anything about, but have some opinions and hopefully some information. I, I have some facts. I have some statistics. You have some um, facts and figures. Uh, to okay. share. And, uh, but, uh, you know, hopefully there's, I, I know there, I know for a fact there's going to be some good, content in this in yeah. this episode well we have a, a somewhat related sponsor today very so appropriate very if appropriate. we if we could get to that sponsor before we get into the meat of this uh that'd be great so if our producer could cue that up that'd be fantastic are you struggling to find your place in the world have white privilege but need to know how to use it do you love beer well you're in luck at the brett kavanaugh academy of arts and culture we will show you how to hone your unique talents, setting you up for success later in life. By attending our prestigious academy, you'll not only learn the fine art of crying on demand, but you'll be able to chug a 12-pack of your favorite IPA without consequence. Sure, you'll probably get blacked out drunk, but what happens after that is not your responsibility, because we at the BKAAC will show you that with our education model, anything is possible. Sign up today at bkaac.org and receive 20% off your first semester's tuition. If you're a straight white male, use the promo code BEER2022. That's B-E-E-R 2022 to save an additional 20% off your first year's books. And we'll see you on campus. Well, wow. thank you. I mean, I, I, I've looked into that academy and... I'm considering biting the bullet. It is. A, it's a little expensive if you go to the website. But you you don't get but to use the, uh, the 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 discount code. I don't, unfortunately. You're not a straight white Christian. Right. <laughs> right. I'm, but for those who are, please use that that promo code. <laughs> tell, tell them we sent you. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, uh, Keith. Do you, do, you, do you like IPA? Are you a beer? Are you a beer? I am fan? not a beer guy. Here's the thing: I I am not a beer. Uh, my my youngest son David. We were just in Portland visiting him uh, last week, and uh, he he pretty much forced us to go to this place, like some brewery, and we did flights. And uh, yeah. 
He's trying to get me to like beer. And um, I've, I like, I've tried Guinness a couple times. I like, I don't mind Guinness. I, yeah. Um, but I'm still not a beer guy. I'm really more like if I'm going to drink sort of casually out in public, it's probably going to be a glass of wine. Um, or, but I do make old fashions at home on a pretty regular basis. I do like old fashions. I love, I love, I don't drink any longer, but uh, old fashioned, you got the bitters, the orange peel. Oh yeah. Fantastic. It's really good. Yeah. I, so I was diagnosed with celiac before the whole micro brew uh, explosion, right? Uh-huh. So there were some decent beers when I was able to have them, but I just, you'd get so full. I mean, I don't know how people drink like a 12 pack. I mean, I know people who drink like 16 beers a night. Dude, uh, I'm not going to name names, like, but I know, I, I also, I also know people um, that I <laughs> like, sit and watch them just nonstop all night. Go up, finish sense. a beer, get up, get another one, drink another doesn't beer, get sense. up, get another one. I'm like, and here's the funny thing. They never appear drunk. I'm like, how are you doing that? I can't imagine. I mean, it's I all, it's all you have to build. You got to build up. Yes. You got to build up your tolerance. Yeah. But I've, I've not, I, I, even if I, I mean, there are some gluten-free beers that are fine, but I just, yeah, it's not something that I'm like, oh man, I really miss a beer. I mean, every now and then, like if it's a hot summer day and you did some yard sure. work, it's like a crisp beer sounds really good. But other than that, like, it's just not my thing. I never got into the whole. Yeah. Well, me either. I never, I never was a beer, a beer. So guy. I, yeah. I, I guess, I guess the Academy is not for us. I guess not. I Sorry. Uh, so, but for those who are listening, if you enjoy beer and you are, you know, a straight white male, and you want to get cultured in the fine arts of Brett Kavanaughism, then um, please check out that website. Use the promo codes and, and you know check it out. Yeah, I mean, you know, there are uh, there are some really good. Uh, it's really good to have that skill, if nothing else, you know, to build your add add to your skill set the ability to cry on demand. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, it seems that Rittenhouse attended the uh, academy, yeah, so there's, did, you know, that's yeah, probably his alma mater. Uh, he's an alumni, um, yeah, and I think, an um, <laughs> and I think it's really important too. You know, like white straight Christian males really do need to know how to leverage their white privilege a little more, a little better. You know, uh, sometimes I'm just not aware of it. Like, you know, you, you don't want to just accidentally take advantage of that. Like, you need to really right. intentionally understand. I'm a white, yeah. damn it, I'm a white, straight Christian male. And I, you know, it's like, it's like, sort of like if you get the discount and you don't ask for it, you know, you, come on, right. you gotta be, uh, yeah. you gotta be doing that. I think leverage is the right word. Be intentional, you know, in this whole, in this whole age of like life coaching and intentionality and being present, like uh-huh. own that and, and take advantage of it. Because honestly, like straight white men have been oppressed for a while now and so it's we need to see we need to see the script get yeah we need to see the script getting flipped that's right i yeah i i i i am nervous having this conversation because i i I realize (laughs) i I hear you stuttering a little bit (laughs) because people people seem to be immune to satire and and my fear is that like if this was the first episode of this podcast (laughs) anybody ever heard they would might they by this point in the podcast after that sponsor <laughs> and what we're saying at this they might be thinking these guys are total douchebags. Total douchebags. <laughs> I I often I mean I'm always I, you know I've been obviously writing satire but 
I, I still get surprised that people have not picked up on the fact that, I mean, it's like my favorite genre, so I, yes. I can't help but write it or talk like it, but <laughs> that people, I think you commented on a recent one, you know, yes. about, you know. You do realize this is satire. Yes. No, you. No, agree. they don't. No, I even you... tag, I tag everything with satire on Patheos. Right. So still. do you want to talk about the one you just did? Because it actually will lead us into this topic. It leads us in. Yeah. So it was the. um there's a, you know, it was a satire piece about some explosion at a, a laboratory, as they say in England, a laboratory um, where, you know, an embryonic genetic laboratory that also had a daycare for uh, their staff. So I had to set it up where there'd be babies or infants as well as clusters Embryos. of cells. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and there's, a, you know, one of the daycare workers leaves the day, the daycare to save the uh, Petri dishes that are holding these clusters like 47. of cells. She saved 47. 40, she saved 47 lives, but she left behind the, you know, that three one month baby. Old, I, and one yeah. baby who died in the, in the, in the fire. And that was, <laughs> that was the story. Obviously it's like, okay, it's to get you to think about our topic today, abortion and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And someone comes in, it's just like, this is so sad. <laughs> like, oh, this I is mean, so it sad. is, if it's a real story, yes, it is. <laughs> It's sad that the the truth behind the satire is sad. Yes, yes, it is that people that people think this way. But I was yeah. hoping people would find it funny. But you know, yeah. Well, uh, I enjoyed it. I thought it was great. <laughs> well, good. Well, so yes, so that leads us to our topic, our discussion, because um, it's kind of like I can remember years ago. I came, Wendy and I came home from uh, from college. Open the door. We had, we had just gotten married. Open the door to our house. We used to leave our TV turned on. This is uh, like because in El Paso, you know, you don't want people to break into your house when you're not there. So you leave your TV on. So it sounded like there was people inside the house. Oh, yeah. So we, yeah, we yeah. open the door and the TV's on. And as I open the door and the t- I see the TV, the Berlin Wall is being torn down. And we both stood there stunned like, what? Like you would never have even, uh, there was no hint that that was about to happen. And all of a sudden, right. the Berlin Wall is gone. They're like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. And it's kind of like that, not in a good way, <laughs> but it's shocking that, you know, you just kind of like wake up one day and oh, by the way, Roe v. Wade is being overturned by the Supreme Court. You're like, wait, what? 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 I didn't even think this was something that was possible that was in the in the planning. And um, but apparently, yes, uh, it looks like I mean, it hasn't officially happened, but it sure looks like it's about to happen. I'm not sure what would stop it from happening. That, um, yeah, after what? 40 something years. Um, is that right? Has that been like 40? Close to 40 something but years? Before my time, I believe. Yeah. It was the 70s, whatever it was. Um, right. The, yeah. Right. Uh, Roe v. Wade, which has been a precedent for all this whole time um, for the, a woman's right to an abortion uh, and autonomy over her own body, uh, is now suddenly just being overturned for, let's be honest, purely political reasons. There, This is not based on. Um, like the Constitution, because the Constitution—I don't believe you can truly use in the Constitution back up removing rights from women who have had such a right for this long, right for close to fifty years. Um, to just all of a sudden say, "Oh no, we're going to take this right away from you" uh, on, on the constitutional basis. That's uh, again, I'm not—I'm not a judge or a lawyer or a woman. But I don't believe that that is uh, is really true. So I think it really, I think it really is purely politically motivated. 
it seems like that's the precedence that has been set. Like it, it seemed like there was a plan in place to get certain judges, certain justices in, in order to push this because other than this, what else do a lot of conservatives stand for? I mean, what, what are, what is their platform? I don't really, I don't really know what their platform is. It seemed like, I mean, a lot of talk of guns and Jesus and God and anti-abortion. And so this is like their, their one thing. And it just, um, it boggles my mind. Like I'm not a constitutional scholar, so I don't really know that right, angle right. so well, but it, it really boggles my mind that they, it seems like they want to build this perpetual straw man and demonization of people who are pro-choice as if we're pro-death. And I don't claim to be like a medical expert and I'm certainly not a woman and I don't have a uterus or fallopian tubes or a vulva. So I can't get pregnant, but it seems like just from a, my limited understanding of, of medicine and healthcare that it is just simply a healthcare decision. Like, like how can you tell someone what to do? In case of like, let's say an ectopic pregnancy, pregnancy where the fetus is not in the uterus, it's on the outside. Like the only treatment is abortion, right? Right, right. So how how can you say, oh, we're going to ban this thing and at the same time say that you're pro-life because like the woman who is pregnant will likely die if they don't have this treatment that... I don't know how you can talk out of both sides of your mouth and say that you're pro-life. I mean, I understand you're defining uh, a fetus as a baby, but I but the point on my like my satire piece, I'm not the first person to come up with something like that, is that I don't think you actually believe that. I really right. don't. Right. I don't think most people actually believe that a fetus is a baby, because I mean they 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 liken it to murder, right? And they'll say you're murdering a baby. But if there was an actual clinic in your town where they were taking infants and toddlers and murdering them, like you wouldn't just be on social media, like talking (laughs) your shit. Like you, like you would like either you're lying, you're full of shit or you're lazy or something because you would be doing something. I guarantee if there was a clinic on the corner who was like people with moms were bringing in their kids and leaving like Abraham and Isaac, like (laughs) coming down the mountain without them. Yeah. Like, You would well, do something much more than just talk your but, shit on Facebook. Yeah, but listen, I know people who are that level of like out there. And uh, again, I'm not in the, I won't name names, but um, years ago, you know, in Orange County, when we were doing our house church, there was an older couple that was in our church. They well, they, they hung out with us for about a year in our house church, and he was the husband was really you know anti-abortion, literally like with a sign out there every weekend protesting. The abortion well, at least at least he's being consistent. I'll give right. him that. But let me tell you, that guy was so anti-abortion that he literally sat at my kitchen table and told, and in front of everybody else in the house church, we're all sitting there, me and Wendy and our, my kids and everybody in our house church, we're all sitting there sharing a meal together. And he begins to tell uh, Wendy and I that because we took birth control, we had a, we were abortionists. We had abortions because sex was for procreation. And by taking a pill that prevented us from having an abortion, we were going against the will of God. We were preventing a child from being born. 
And the fact that we had miscarriages after the fact um, was basically God's punishment to us because we had, because we had, you know, prevented these other uh, babies from being born. And so there are Christians who are so, so eaten up by this idea of, you know, that life begins at conception that they have taken it to those kinds of extremes that you can't even take, take the pill or use any kind of birth control. They say uh, that though. They say that, but I bet they get blowjobs. But like, no, you know what I mean? Like, well, this but guy, they, this so they never had a blowjob. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe that's true. But, but, you, but you know, what, you know what I'm saying though? Like, like the people who say that I knew people like that too. They wouldn't, they wouldn't wear a condom. They wouldn't do any sort of birth control. And they had like five kids. But I I would be willing to bet most everything in my savings, and it's not a lot, but it's my savings. <laughs> yes, that that they they have uh, spilt their seed. They have uh, just had sex and, for, the, for the fun of having sex. For, for the fun of having sex, like yes. you never had a blowjob, you never masturbated, you never had right. anal, you never you never pulled out. You know, <laughs> none of this shit. Like yes. I think I that's what I'm saying. I think they're lying. I really do. Like I do. Yeah. I try not to. I try not to say that. I try not to add intent to people. Yeah. But I. I just call bullshit on that. But what about and what also like what about like older couples where the woman is beyond you know she's she's in menopause right. so or they're not allowed to have sex. They right or you've never been, I know friends and I won't name names but I know friends who can't have kids even though they're of age normally to have they kids better, like, they better not be having sex because God will be exactly. Jesus Christ see <laughs> this is it's all I think it's all just. Um, it's a type of virtue signaling to me. Yeah. I because I, I don't I don't know if you really believe that. I, I really don't. Like you would do more, like I said to my original point. Like Yeah. And I'm not and the but people who did. pick it plan plan parenthood, I think they're wrong and they're ill advised, but at least they're doing something a little more consistent to what they're saying. But most people who are anti abortion who right. who liken it to murder so it, so that's all you would be doing if literal babies were being killed in clinics all yeah. throughout your town. Like, yeah. come on. Yeah, you, you just well, every every four years you go and place a vote. That's what you do. That's um, what but you see, do. here's that's the thing. All? Yeah, but historically, right? Christian Christianity in America ha- was not, has not for for the majority of its time been as anti-abortion as it is. Um, the, I, I mentioned this in my book, uh, Jesus Untangled. Um, that in, I think it was 1962 or something like that, um, the president of the Southern Baptist Convention, his name was W.A. Criswell, um, wrote that an article. Like that, that sounds like a white dude. It sure does. <laughs> I, I promise you he's a white guy. Um, published an article in Christianity Today magazine saying that um, Bibli- that according to the scriptures, um, God does not consider the preborn to be um, fully human because of the, the laws of Leviticus, where if you kill another person, you know, it's life for life, eye for eye, right? So if you kill someone, you, you do, you commit violence, you cause another person to die, you should be put to death. That's a capital offense. But if you cause a woman to miscarry, if you cause a, if you injure a woman who's pregnant and she loses the baby, you basically just pay like uh, a cow or something, right? You, you offer livestock, there's payment. So that's not a capital offense. It's not, uh, again, according to Old Testament Levitical law, God didn't consider the preborn to be equally human as, as someone who's born. And he, so he said that he, he even says, uh, this is a quote from this article. 
Um, I've always felt that it was only after a child was born and had a life separate from its mother that it became an individual person. And it has always, therefore, seemed to me that what is best for the mother and for the future should be allowed. Um, and actually, here's what's crazy, too. Uh, w. Barry Garrett of the Baptist Press said, this is in response to Roe v. Ray, Roe versus Wade. This was the response of, of this guy in the Baptist Press magazine. He said, quote, religious liberty, human equality, and justice are advanced by this Supreme Court abortion decision. Isn't that crazy? Mm. In 1971, yeah. delegates to the Southern Baptist Convention in St. Louis, Missouri, passed a resolution encouraging Southern Baptists to, quote, work for legisl legislation that will allow the possibility of abortion under such conditions as rape, incest, clear evidence of severe fetal deformity, and carefully ascertained evidence of the likelihood of damage to the emotional, mental, and physical health of the mother. And they reaffirmed this resolution the year after Roe v. Wade uh, ruling, again in 1976. So uh, initially after Roe v. Wade, at least Southern Baptists, who are the largest you know, Protestant denomination in the U.S., were in favor of it. They celebrated it. They thought, yep, this is a good decision. This is the right thing to do. Um, now, we know what happened to change everyone's mind uh, was uh, Francis Schaeffer, uh, unfortunately, um, the little Dutch guy, convinced Jerry Falwell um, to start speaking out again, take a stand against abortion. And uh, because even before that, Jerry Falwell had said, he was on record saying that abortion was a Catholic issue and had nothing to do with him. And, uh, and he would not want to take a stand on that, that he just wanted to preach the gospel. But uh, Francis Shaver and C. Everett Koop, by the way, who became the, uh, what's it, the Surgeon General under Reagan, um, convinced him. The two of them together convinced Falwell to begin speaking out against abortion and to oppose Roe versus Wade. So that's really kind of what, and the whole moral majority and all that kind of stuff with Reagan and all that kind of stuff, um, the religious right, uh, is kind of what pushed it into being a quote-unquote Christian view. But before that, the Christian view was, or at least the Protestant view, uh, was that abortion should be legal, and certainly in cases of incest and rape and, and the health of the mother and all that kind of stuff. And even today, correct me if I'm wrong, but the majority of people are pro-choice in some way. There's only a small percentage that are absolutely against all abortion for all circumstances, regardless of the situation. It's a minority. Yeah. It's a very, it's, it's a, a minority. minority. Yeah. And so it's just strange that in this country, I mean, for me, it's like, it should, you shouldn't have to justify an abortion to me. Like if you're, if you're pregnant or you, you know, you, whatever, what it's not my, I'm not, you know, I'm not affected by it. Right. I'm not impacted by it. I shouldn't really have a strong, I don't have a strong opinion on it. My strong opinion is we need to give rights to women. That That's, that's my strong <laughs> opinion on it. And so, but even, even if you had to justify it, it's like most people are willing to say, yeah, in, in cert certain circumstances, abortions should be accessible and safe and inexpensive. And so it's just strange to me. That a group of I think what five ju five justices are like yeah. oh no we're gonna we're gonna roll this back we're gonna make we're gonna make a decision for millions and millions uh -huh. of, of folks who can give birth and and it's and it comes down to five people and and the small group of Trumpists and people like that who put them in power yep 
That's a fucked up system in my mind. It is. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't know. Yeah, and here's the thing too. Again, to talk about statistics, and again, I encourage our listeners go and Google this and look it up and the, read the studies. But um, the truth is that since um, since Roe v. Wade, uh, abortions in America have been on the steady decline, and right now they are Correct. the lowest they have ever been in the history of this country. Correct. So again, what the outcry is against something that's kind of already seems to be under control. Like it's rare. They don't, it's, it, it's more rare today for people to have abortions, uh, for women to have abortions than it was in the 1970s. So I don't give a fuck that, about statistics though. No, I know. Uh, and of course, that, that's here, a sad part. Yeah. The, the bigger issue is I think um, not just, it's not just about abortion, right? The bigger issue is that uh, conservative Christian uh, Republicans, uh, as a political you know base, have basically seized control of the Supreme Court, and have again, if this goes through, have demonstrated that they can overturn something that's been the law of the land since the 1970s uh, with just you know flicking a switch and now it's reversed. And so the scary thing would be, let's suppose in the midterms, uh, Republicans gain control of the House and the Senate. So now they would control Congress and the Supreme Court. Um, and if, if with just the Supreme Court, they can overturn Roe v. Wade, what else could they do? I mean, I'm sure they could, they've already got a checklist, right? Well, I, I would guess gay marriage might be next. That's right. Uh, and then, then some transgender laws. Uh, would be uh, enacted and or, you know, give, yep. any laws giving them freedoms or equal rights will be overturned. Uh, new laws would be passed that would restrict, uh, you know, homosexual union or transgender uh, activities, behaviors. Um, I mean, you can go down the list. You can kind of tell what, where this might be going. And the scary thing is it, it, what it's going to do, because this specific ruling on Roe v. Wade, what it, what it will do is, so it removes the federal law, the federal mandate for Roe v. Wade to become Correct. legal and puts it now at the state level, right? Correct. So what this is going to do is further divide the United, the United States of America will no longer be the United States of America. You will have red states that are going to become even more red than before, blue states that have become more blue than ever before. And, and it'll be over the, at least initially over this issue of abortion. And so you'll, you know, if you, uh, if, if you want an abortion and you live in Florida, Texas, Idaho, Mississippi, anywhere in the South, you're screwed. Um, and so you're going to end up having to move to California, Oregon, uh, you know, New York. Which people, which people generally, okay, so this this ruling comes against people of color. Yep. Black, black, Hispanic, Latino, Latinx, people poverty, whatever. People of poverty. People yep. of poverty. Yep. And they can't just up and move. No, they right? can't. No, they cannot. So you're right. This is the, the precedent set. This is a, like a, it's like a political philosophical uh, way of understanding things is that, oh, we're going to kick it to the States. Well, what else, like you just mentioned, what else can they kick to the States? Uh-huh. Gay marriage. Yep. Interracial marriage. Oh yeah. Don't, don't put it past them. My friend, there so, are States in the union that 
still are upset about the fact that a black person can marry a white person. If you, if you make this the precedence, you can then make the argument, this is kind of my reductio ad absurdum, hopefully, sure. yeah. that you can argue against interracial marriage as a federal, you might be for interracial marriage, but as a federal precedent, you can't set it because then we have to kick it to the states because yep. we have to follow this sort of ruling and this sort of line of logic. And now, so now you're kicking things to the states. And now you've got, you're, you're creating a situation in which we go back to looking like we have union states and Confederate states. That's exactly Because right. you goddamn know that Mississippi, Alabama, yeah. Georgia, I mean, all these Southern states are going to have plenty of people who think that's a good idea to go back to things like a new Jim Crow. Yep. And I'm so, not saying it's going to happen. I'm not saying that that's the slippery slope is going to happen. I'm saying that some people will get it in their minds. Some people have, who even have power yeah. will get it in their minds that because this precedence is set, we can now push this next envelope. Yeah. And see, you have to be able to take a step back and, and hopefully and say, you know, once civil rights become not, not a federal mandate, not something where the United States of America has decided every person is, you know, has has equal civil rights. But no, 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 no. We're going to let states decide who has civil rights and who doesn't have civil rights. That is a step, uh, uh, not just a step backwards, it's like 20 steps backwards. Like we are going the wrong direction. We are dividing the, the United, quote unquote, United States of America and so that now every state is just going to have its own sort of, you know, it's it's going to become its own little nation state and say, well, you know, in Georgia, you can't, if you're black, you can't marry a white person. Uh, if you're gay, you can't be married. Um, you know, they're really, they're just going to roll back all these. I mean, again, we could say they're going to, but what you're doing is you're you're making that possible. You are empowering right. people in, right. in those situations to say, well, why not? And if exactly. we have power, as long as we have power and we, we can control the, the Supreme Court and the, and the and Congress, that what would stop us? Exactly. I mean, you're, you're like you said, it doesn't mean it's going to happen. But look, we have people as elected officials who are Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Boebert, Matt Gates, Madison Cawthorn. You don't think these people like some backward ass shit? Right. They want to roll shit back to some fucking crazy shit. You yeah. don't think they, they, I mean, they don't individually have the power to do so. I don't think. But people like that are becoming more and more norm yep. when, as elected officials. And, and yep. if you don't think they're going to roll some shit back to some antiquated bullshit, yep. stripping people of color of civil rights, gay and lesbian and LGBT other LGBTQ people of their civil rights, yep. man, you, you, you're under a rock or something. You don't know yeah, these people. It's scary. And we didn't even mention immigration, right? So there's, that's another there issue. Go. That's another issue that I could see them wanting on their checklist that they want to uh, turn the clock back. And you know, as you were talking too, I was thinking about like when we lived in Idaho for, we lived there for a year. Um, I remember Whitney and I had just moved there, moved into our house I turned on the local news. You know, you kind of want to get acclimated to where, where your new hometown. And we're watching the local news there in Boise. And no kidding. This is like the first week we were there. There was a uh, a case in the, in the court. I think it had already been decided where the state officials had decided um, not to 
prosecute uh, like a 45-year-old man who had impregnated like a 14-year-old girl um, and allowed them to get married because, and this is what they, this was the quote, because in Idaho, we are pro-family. Oh, fuck off. I'm like, <laughs> so now, but so that, of course, I know I'm thinking, holy crap, what year is it? Really? And, it, but now, and then the shocking thing was, so not only is that still the law in Idaho that, you know, a 14 year old girl can marry a 50 year old man um, with the parent's consent, by the way, you can do that. Like I think in Tennessee and Kentucky and a whole bunch of other States in the union, like I, I'm not going like, what, how is this still possible? It's 2022 as, as we're recording this and it's still legal for like a grown man to marry a teenager. Like this is scary. Like, in the name of family values. In the name of family values, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, and it's and it's supposedly the uh, the worldly heathenistic yes pro- progressives and liberals who are going to destroy the family and and allow man boy relationships <laughs> and pederasty and all this bullshit. It's like, wait a second, but y- y'all are projecting. I think. Yeah, yeah, because um, in in any other normal um society that would that what you what you have made law would be considered considered um you know like a crime like what are you doing i don't know man it's it's kind of crazy i'm disappointed i really am like in um first of all i i should have said this by now but i hate talking about politics by the way and I, I really don't. No, I know. I, I was. We're thirty <laughs> minutes in. I'm like, damn. I got Keith Giles on a politic, on a politic run here. Right, right. Because I, because again, I feel like we can talk about these things, right? But ultimately, I think the average person, and this is, I think this has always been the frustration, certainly even around this issue of abortion, um, is that the average person can all we can do is complain. Like we really don't have a lot we can do about it. Like no, we we can complain about it, but I mean. I, I don't know any Supreme Court justices. I can get on the phone and talk to them. Or, you no, know, like, I think there's. I think there's some things that I think if. Uh, I think if corporations, let's say, yeah. want to save some face, right? So sure. you're a in an international or even national corporation, and you have good profits, and you can pay your employees well, and you should. Yeah. They should be. This is what I would do if I was, a, you know, a rich billionaire or some shit. <laughs> I would pay for all of my employees who need access to this sort of health care. I will pay for your travel to go out to a state that cares about women. You know, fuck you, all you states who are going to do these trigger laws and they're going to, you know, but, you know, send them to California or send them to Washington or I'm assuming all the other sort of bluer states. Yeah. I'll pay for your flight. I'll pay for your health care. I'll pay for your flight back. Yeah. And that's, that's part of the company policy. So if you're a corporate you know, tycoon and you're listening to the show. I don't know why you are, but maybe you are. That's what, that's what people can do yeah. outside of the Supreme court decision, because we're, we're in a, um, a very small, a much smaller world now, right. With, with yeah. the internet and with corporate, uh, you know, reach can go far, far beyond what it used to be. Right. Um, do those sort of things. You know, we can't, you and I can't Keith, you know, no. if, uh, you know, uh, as, as, Owners and founders of the Heretic Happy Hour, or <laughs> or, or Anonymous. Anonymous. Yes. Yeah, uh, we don't. We do not have the ability to send our our employees anywhere. But, right. 
<laughs> if, if we could, I, that's what I would do. Right. Well, I mean, the other thing maybe too, I mean, you're talking about corporations. I mean, this is one of the things I talk about in the book too, and Jesus Untangled is that, um, shameless like really plug. shameless plug, um, is that really our vote doesn't count. And this is based on, uh, Research that has been done, I want to say, I can't, I've got the book next to me, and I, I don't want to flip through it, but I think it was like a Harvard study that was done over like a 20-year period and determined that the will of the people had 0% impact on how congressmen or senators voted on something, um, in, uh, whether something a law would pass or not, and um, which is frustrating because you know we elect them, they're representing us, we pay taxes. Um, especially the working, you know, unless you're a billionaire, you, 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 who don't pay taxes, right? The rest of us are paying taxes. And yet our, the will of the people, our will is not what drives, um, policy It's not what drives the laws that get passed. However, um, uh, there was a group of people that did strongly influence the, whether a law was passed or not. And those were billionaires and corporate lobbies who yeah. uh, who don't pay any taxes, and so right. that's the most frustrating thing. Is like so so if if we know that that is kind of the government we have, believe it or not, it's not a government by the people for the people and of the people for the um, corporation. It's for the corporations, which is the reason, by the way, it's the reason why several years ago legislation was passed to classify corporations as people. Do you remember Mitt Romney yeah. saying corporations Romney. are people, yeah. my friend? Yeah. Because by making corporations legally classified as people, now that gives a corporation uh, uh, free speech, right? And now right. now they can be treated that way. So anyway, that if we know that that really is the way things work, the corporations and the billionaires, they actually have more influence over the government than you and I. Then if we could influence those corporations... That's Those who we put pressure on then. Yes. Yeah. Then they can put pressure on Congress to overturn things and change laws and yeah. everything. So that that's really our only thing is like, yeah, you can you can start uh, you know, petitions, campaigns, uh, in front of like large corporations and write letters that, and that like in that. itself is hard though, because to, to change the corporate mindset, yeah. you have to change it with the dollar. Yeah. But corporations can make shit for cheap because they can make shit right. a lot of it, you know. If you and I wanted to print a book, it's going to cost us a lot. But if, right. you know, if Amazon's going to print a book, it's going to cost about $2. Almost, yeah, almost nothing. That's right. And and so it takes it takes privilege yep. to to use your the power of your dollar and put it elsewhere. So maybe we should maybe we should attend the Brett Kavanaugh Institute because I think that would help us understand how to use our privilege. Well, if you're going to have privilege, you have to learn how to use it. I, right. I, you know, I, I, now that I think about it, maybe that shouldn't have been our sponsor because I don't know if Brett Kavanaugh used his privilege in the correct way. Oh yeah, that's right. It's satire. It's satire. I forgot. It is, uh, yes. Remember that. But it's, it's difficult. And this is why I got kicked out of a Facebook group one time that I was a long, I was in for a long time. I remember I, that. I remember that. It was really unfortunate Yes, it because was. I, I simply made the, um, apt and accurate observation that it takes privilege to go green, right? So in the same yes. line of argumentation, it takes privilege to divert your dollars to local or ethical or yeah. responsible <laughs> corporations because when you're ethical and you're responsible, your, pro your profit margins are slimmer and your prices are generally higher just the way it is. Like, And so if you're poor or um, yeah. underserved or not privileged, 
you don't have that choice, right? You, right. I mean, you you have to go with shit. I got to put food on the table. All right. I got to go with this product because it's the only one that's cheap enough for me. That's right. No, you're exactly right. That is exactly right. In fact, I remember uh, I remember that you got kicked out of that group. I left in solidarity, by the way, because I, I was like so upset that they had done that. and was really stupid because um, I think you made a great point. And it is true. Like, yeah, people living in poverty, um, like Wendy and I really, you know, went through that whole like uh, organic, eating organic, no GMOs, all that stuff. But yeah, yeah you, but you recognize that it costs money to do that, right? It's more totally. expensive to buy yeah. uh, to, to, if you really, really want to go that way. Because again, yeah. if you're living in poverty, you can afford Taco Bell, um, yeah. you know, the dollar menu uh, at McDonald's. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, you don't have the privilege of like, I'm going to go to the grocery store and pay an extra 30% for non-GMO, you know, vegetables and fruit and things like that. Yeah. Like, uh, well, you could, but I guess you'd eat a whole lot less. And, yeah. um, so yeah, it is true. I think you definitely were right about that. And, and, and even if it's, and even if it's not fun, even if you financially can do it, it's like, it takes a lot of time. Like, let's say you can, let's say you can, you're really good at gardening and you can get these plants for cheap. Sure. You start them by seed, you do all this and it doesn't cost you a lot of money. Well, it that's time it takes. But if right. you're working two jobs and you're a single mom or something, you don't have that time. Well, listen, to I, you. I garden because I have I spend some of my time doing that. But it's like, shit, this is a lot of work. Not everyone's yeah. going to have that privilege. Well, not only that, people living in poverty are in apartments. They don't have exactly. they don't have a place to like a patch of ground right. to right. dig up. It's not even their ground to dig up. Like right. if they dug up the ground and planted a really nice garden, their landlord would be like, what the hell did you just do? Right? right. You ruined my lawn. Uh, you're going to have to pay me for it. Like, yeah, there's just so many levels of things where, and we don't think about these things. Right. But no. it, you, we need to consider how, how much, yes, we, we talk about certain things that like, well, but not everybody um, gets to vote with their dollar because their dollar right. doesn't go very far. Exactly. Yeah. So this is why, again, this is such a shitty decision that five people, I'm, I'm assuming it's five, four. I think yeah, that's how the vote's I think, going. I think it is. Something like that. It's either five four or six three. I think it's five four. Where five people are deciding what's best for millions, and yeah. that's not right. Yeah. That is just that shouldn't be right, no matter what side of the aisle you stand on. It right. really shouldn't. Like even if you're anti-abortion, it should it should really bother you that five people are making that decision, even right. if even if you happen to agree with it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because, you know, here's the thing, too, though. It's also not that I'm pro-abortion because I'm not like, yay, abortion. But no one's I, that. No, no, no. So, but it's that I'm in favor of a woman having the right to decide about her own body, um, what's best for her, and if she's carrying a child, uh, you know, what to do about that. Like, one of the best things I have heard... Um, and I just rewatched it again today. Um, Pete Buttigieg, when he was running for president, was on like some Fox News town hall thing. And they were trying to get him on, you know, the abortion thing about late term abortions. And are you in favor of late term abortions? Are you in favor of a woman terminating her pregnancy at, you know, seven months or something like that, eight months? And he, he had just a wonderful observation. He goes, OK, but let's think about this in practical terms. Right. First of all, uh, and again, I'm just kind of paraphrasing what he said. First of all, he said. Those late-term abortions account for less than 1% of all abortions in America. So let's just understand this is not an epidemic. This is not the majority of abortions when they take place. They are not late-term. Of the ones that are late-term, 
let's say go to six, seven, eight months, right? Um, he goes, think about it. If you if you're a woman and you have carried a child for that long, you probably picked out a name. You probably, you know, bought the crib and you've decorated the room. Like you're expecting to have this child. You don't carry a child that long expecting that you're going to abort it. And so when right. you get the news from your doctor that there are some severe physical or mental deformities or illnesses or issues or, or, or that your life is in danger if you carry this child to term, this is a heartbreaking decision that you have to make. And, and who should be making that decision other than the woman and her doctor? Not, you know, five people sitting yeah. on, a, on a court fully removed. Like the government should not make the decision for them before they even have an opportunity to think about it. Like, no, right. you, the woman should make that decision and right. only the woman should make that decision. And so what if I'm pro anything? I think people that are, that are in favor of choice, that's what they're in favor of. They're in favor of having the woman have autonomy over and control over her own agency, her own body. Which which should be a conservative issue because they drone on and on and on and on about limited government. Yes. And then they're like, oh, but no, we need government to step in now. Yes. Well, you only want them to step in. You only want big government when it suits what you personally of course, believe. Of course. Which is like this great hypocrisy and this great irony. And it's just so tiring because it's like, not only is, like we've said, Roe v. Wade has made abortions safer and less often. Yes, it's true. You're gonna, you're gonna. Those are just facts. Those we've are not political already, facts. That's yeah. those are, that's been yeah. established as a fact. Yes, it is. We we have already because, or at least since Roe v. Wade, we have reduced abortions to the lowest it has ever been in the history of this country. Um, and yeah, so it's like we're. We're, people are using this nuclear option to solve a problem that isn't really a problem. It's at least it's not the problem that it's been historically. And no. and because again, it isn't about solving that problem. It's about turning no, your, your views, your yep. religious views um, yep. using political means. And let me tell you, um, studying the hist history, not just American history, but world history, Christian history, let's go back and see that starting with Constantine, it has always been a bad idea for Christians to use the power of the state to, to impose their religious views on everybody else. That's how you got the Crusades. That's how you got the Inquisitions. That's how people were tortured and put to death for disagreeing with this theology. We're moving towards a theocracy. Believe it mm. or not, we really are. I think one of the things we didn't mention that I also would fully expect for as long as you know the conservative Christians have political power, um, prayer in school because that was the other mm. that was the other issue. By the way, the whole abortion issue with Reagan that came up, the whole moral majority and all that kind of stuff with Francis Schaeffer, th th it was a two pronged um, two pronged issue that fired up the Christian base to to support Ronald Reagan in, in the election and was and was driven by the religious right. It was two issues: one was abortion, and the other one was bringing prayer back into school. So you wait, that'll be, and then, then it'll be uh, schools, public schools have to teach the Bible. So we'll have Bible classes, mandatory Bible classes, mandatory prayer, you know, the, in the morning before classes begin, we'll have a prayer time. Like we're moving. Uh, it's, it sounds cliche to say this, and I hate to be alarmist. And I, again, I want to be like, oh, let it be afraid, be afraid, but shit, maybe be afraid because it feels like we're moving towards a theocracy, which is starting to look more like the handmaid's tale 
Uh, and that's not a good thing. I don't think we want to live. I don't want to live in that kind of world. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's, um, I think, you, yeah, you make a great point. Like this is nothing more than using the state to push your religious beliefs. Yeah, that's it. And we're supposed to have separation of church and state, but we don't. No, we don't. We don't. And and we find human beings will always find loopholes and workarounds. And this is this is that. This is a yep. workaround to to saying exactly what it is. They're not going to come out and say, "Well, we believe the Bible says this, so that's what we're going to push." But that's pretty much where they and and I don't know how they've gotten that. There's a recipe for abortion in the Bible, mandated right. by God that's through right. the priest. That's right. Um <laughs> The Bible defines life as breath. You know, right. you have a, um, you have uh, the clay, and you have to have breathed life through it in That's order right. to have a living nefesh. That's right. Um, so I don't know what Bible they're reading. <laughs> so again, this is this is Schaefer. This is who was it? Um, Falwell. Falwell. Yeah. This is their understanding of Christianity and of the Bible. That's right. And of the Bible. But it's not, it's not a Jewish understanding of the Bible. No, um, it's not. A, it's not a Christian understanding. True. I mean, true. I mean, just reading the Bible as an historian, just looking at it face value. I mean, looking at it the context, historical, critical. This has nothing to do with that, because right. there's nowhere in the Bible that 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 says anything about what they're saying. No, it's all straw. It's all straw man demonization. Right. And yeah. unfortunately, they've used. Uh, the system to game the system. Yeah, uh, and the only the only verse I think that I'm aware of that that you could potentially use to support their view again, and only if you ignore, like you said, the recipe for how to how to have an abortion, how to how to go to the priest so he can perform an abortion uh, that's actually in the Bible, um, and and the, like we mentioned, the Levitical laws that do not. Uh, hold the life of a fetus, an unborn fetus at the same level as someone who's alive and born and walking around. So again, they only to... use Leviticus to condemn gay people. That's, that's right. all Leviticus is for. But I'm they still, still eat... love bacon. They bacon, still love shrimp, shrimp and they don't pay attention to what you just said. That's right. So if you ignore all that, then the only, <laughs> the only thing you can hold on to is, well, you know, David said in Psalms that God knew me in the womb before I was born. There you go. See, that means that he was a person. Before he was born, that that's the only one. That's the only verse you could you could, and I, that's the only one I've ever heard used. But but here's the thing: the bottom line is is still this: we shouldn't be using the Bible to to to, to pass laws in this nation because we no. are not a Christian nation. The constitution, nor should we be. Nor should we be. And the Constitution doesn't mention Jesus. Doesn't mention. Doesn't quote Jesus. Has nothing to do with Jesus. Um, it may, it might mention you know. Well, we are created by God, whatever, but that's it. Like that's the closest you're going to get. It's, it's a, it's a, a theist, but not Christian. Um, and we shouldn't be using the Bible. Like you said, though, unfortunately, I know that they do. I know that those uh, people are quoting the Bible, at least in private meetings and fundraisers, right? They're quoting scripture uh, right. because they're talking but to they're, their base. They're doing what they accuse us of doing. Yeah. Those are those of us who take the Bible seriously in yeah. scholarship and everything. They 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 accuse us of cherry picking, right? That's right. 
But that's exactly what they do. And in, in the in the truest sense of the word, they're they're forming their doctrines <laughs> and their ideologies and then plucking out the scriptures. Right. Whereas like those of us who actually, quote unquote, cherry pick. No, we're just like we're looking at it in context and we're and we're trying to see patterns and we're trying to see methods and methodology and how did Jesus exegete and all this stuff. Yeah. They're literally just cherry picking. Yeah, that's right. Because they 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 will quote that David passage in Psalm. Yep. Um, but they won't go to numbers and say, right. Oh, her <laughs> abdomen swells and the <laughs> that's an abortion. Like they right. won't no, they'll they'll come they'll come up with some Simone Biles type gymnastic uh-huh. <laughs> routine and they, they'll figure it out. Oh no, they totally to, have. Like yeah. I've written I've yeah. written blog posts about that. I've I mentioned that on Facebook. Yeah. And I, I have watched Christians try to say, Oh, that's not an abortion. That's not what's happening there. Dude, I can freaking read. I know what that says. If you, yeah. it, it's speaking to the man and it's only addressing men. If except you, for that if, one scroll they found. Yeah, except for that one, uh, that, that, but they went and buried it again because they, we're not ready for it. <laughs> um, yeah, but that, uh, that it, it addresses the men and it says, if you, if you suspect that your wife has been unfaithful, take her to the priest. He will mix together this little concoction, make, force her to drink it. And if she's been unfaithful, she'll abort. The child will, will not be born, right? It'll, it'll abort the child. Right. That is a recipe for an abortion. It's a pregnant woman. And if she's unfaithful, she will drink something that will terminate that pregnancy. That is an abortion. Yeah. I, I will give them this, that it's potentially an abortion. It's potentially an abortion. Yes. But, but you, cause you, you only have to bring her to the priest if you suspect that That's there's right. been adultery committed. So if she hasn't actually committed adultery and she isn't actually pregnant, then it's not an abortion. Right. But you damn know well <laughs> that at some point, I mean, it could have been, it, it could be even that they, they aborted the guy's baby. Yeah. Or the guy's fetus because he could just be suspecting, but she didn't, but maybe she was pregnant with his baby yeah. or something. Well, see, when I when I read that passage in Leviticus, to me what it comes across as, it's to me it's kind of like voodoo mumbo jumbo. It's sort of like sure. I don't think I don't think in reality, okay. So if we if we took ourselves way, way back and there is a guy and he kind of does suspect his wife and he grabs her and he drags her over to the priest and he tells her, he tells the priest, I I, I suspect she's been that this child she's carrying isn't my child. Let's make her drink this stuff, right? That that because the woman believes, they convinced her that if she drinks this magic potion, it, it and if she's been unfaithful, that she will lose her baby. She won't actually drink it because she's going to be so scared. If she was unfaithful, she's going to blurt it out. She's going to say, "Oh no, no, I'm so sorry." Blah blah. blah. Like, mm. like, I think it's just it's a head game, right? It's like. Yeah. You're just creating this thing to scare people that it, and so it's just a, it's a way of sort of uh, smoking out your wife. If she's been unfaithful to scare her, that if sure. I do this and I go through these motions, if she thinks it's going to happen, she believes it's going to happen, then the truth will come out. I think that's all that I don't think anyone was actually, and no babies were actually aborted because I don't think, I don't think whatever she was drinking would actually cause a miscarriage. So I don't think that was the point. I think the point was, again, just sort of like, hey, guys, we got your back. We're going to play this little game. And so if, you're, if you think your wife's unfaithful, take her to the priest. We're going to go through, play this little game, go through, go through the motions, and we'll, we'll smoke her out if she's being unfaithful to you. Maybe. 
But that's but at the end of, at the end of the day, like it's the Bible, so it shouldn't be our deciding factor right. on any of this. <laughs> that's and exactly right. It all yeah. it all comes down to again, like uh, these are our opinions on the issue, and I would always refer to women to making their own healthcare decisions with yep. the help of their doctor and their medical care team. Yep, absolutely. I mean that, and and I I as a man, the only thing I can do is my part. So after, I mean, after I had my, we had my daughter, yeah. um, my wife and I didn't want her to be on birth control and I didn't yeah. want to wear a condom. So I got fixed just yeah. like my terrier. <laughs> well, not just like my terrier. Hopefully not just like. Not, not just like my terrier, but the human version, right? Through a urologist. So you took the terrier in, the vet did it. Hey, by the way, doc, while you're, while Two you're for one. Two for one. Two for yeah. one. Can you just do a little snip here? Yeah. <laughs> no, but you know, I did my part, ladies. So yeah. you know, um, I, I see those memes of like you know the men should be having right. a vasectomy, and then when they show that they're able to, to be responsible, then they can have it reverse. Snip, That's snap, right. snip, snap. You can do it and reverse. You know, so I I don't think people are literally advocating for forced vasectomy, and I wouldn't advocate for that either. Um, but the meme is funny, and the point is taken. Like, yeah. Uh, I have a responsibility in this too, and I'll do my part. Um, you know, that's just me personally. I, yeah, 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 yeah. And de- definitely, this is the problem too: is that women, all of the burden, all the blame, all the guilt and shame is always placed on the woman. Right. Um, and, and you can see it also reflected in. Whoops, sorry about that. Oh, you got a you got a landline there, Keith. What do you got? No, no, no. It's it's my ringtone. Oh, you got an old school ringtone. Sorry about that. Um. Well, edit. Sorry, that. sorry to our editor. Sorry to editor. Sorry to my editor. Yes, um, I'm gonna turn. I'm gonna turn that up. <laughs> um, what was I gonna say? Oh yeah. So uh, it also it's reflected also in our in like the rape laws, right? Um, yeah. Like if a woman uh, accuses a man of rape, she has to prove it. She has to. Oh, you let him on, or how were you dressed, or you know, it, it's never on the guy. Like, it, and, and and it feels like. When I see the way legislation goes, and it's not just like this legislation, but when I see the way court cases go, uh, convictions go in, in cases of, of guys being accused of rape, it almost feels like the way the way it is, is like, if, especially if you're a white guy, every guy gets one rape, right? It's just a mistake. You know, Your Honor, he's a good guy. He's a good student. He's a good athlete, whatever. You know, don't ruin his life. He just had this one rape. You know, give him a mulligan. And it, that's what it feels like. It's like you get every every guy gets to have one rape uh, apparently, because um, he's never done it before, and he promises not to do it again. Uh, it, it's really sad to me because um, I've seen over and over again. I know we're getting onto another topic now, but but I've seen over and over again. There was even one like so bad where a guy was keeping a woman in a cage and and like sexually you know assaulting her and. Um, I don't even think if he went to jail, it was something like, you know, four months or something. It was so ridiculous. Like, are you kidding me? Like women are, uh, are treated as if they're worthless. Their lives don't count. Their sexuality, it's, their bodies yep. mean nothing. Yep. It's and still, it's, it, it's still there. All that, all that patriarchal bullshit yes. that people think that some people think, oh, it's gone. We've moved nope. on. It's the same thing with the same thing with racism. Oh, we moved on from slavery or Jim nope. Crow. And it's like, no, it's still there. I mean, in, in subtle ways, in some way. And, and, you know, my daughter, she's 11. She's in fifth grade. They have a field trip at the end of the year. It's going to some uh, some body of water. I don't know what they're doing. 
and the girls cannot wear a two piece, but the boys are allowed to have their shirts off. And the, yep. the, the rationale is because, oh, if you wear a two piece, you're going to be you're going to distract the boys. Yes. And my daughter that this is where uh, the generations are different. My daughter says it's not my responsibility to control the thoughts of boys. And I was like, yep. oh, preach, sister. Someone give me an organ. Preach. Yep. And so she went and talked to the, the teacher. And I was like, well, you know, keep in mind that I, you should talk to him. Keep in mind that this is above him. Yeah. Um, you know, um, but please, yeah, speak your mind because it, it still is this backwards view that men can't or boys, men or boys can't control their thoughts. And right. so therefore women need to control it for them by controlling their bodies. Yeah. This is purity culture in a liberal school in California. This is still <laughs> the, the tendrils of purity culture in the most liberal state with the most liberal like system, the school system, right? Right. So no, this conservative puritanical ideology is still embedded in the system. That's right. And yeah, it's always and that, against women. Yes. And that really is, uh, I think after almost an hour of talking, we have finally arrived at what the real underlying problem really is. And it is this patriarchal system that we have in our society, which begins with our government, right? Um, and is continu just continues to be perpetuated in various yep. ways, including this, this yep. most recent decision. Yeah. Yeah. This most recent decision is a symptom of the deeper systemic issue. It's gone from systematic, where it's on purpose, yep. and it still might be some somewhat systematic, but it's definitely systemic. Yes. Yeah. And because... Unfortunately, Christianity is born out of a very patriarchal system. It has continued to be a patriarchal, for the most part, patriarchal religion. Uh, yeah. And and so, yeah, in the name of religion, uh, this patriarchal value is values are continuing to be perpetuated, which is really sad. Yes, it is. Well, with that, I guess we better uh, sign off. It's been I, about an hour. I think yes. It's I think we've said as as two men, we've said enough. Uh, more than enough, I'm sure. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, until next time, uh, please, everyone, rate and review this show. Share on social media. Tell your friends and your loved ones if you are comfortable doing so. Yes. We apologize for talking to about so much triggering things, but you know this is the nature of uh, you know the times we live in. We have to talk about these things in some way, right? Yeah. And don't forget to call oh. our hotline as well. Let us know what you think. But be yes, sure to mention it's for the. Apostates Anonymous podcast. Yes. If you could, 240-343-7379. And please just flood it with Apostates Anonymous stuff. Just, please. That would be hilarious. It, it would make <laughs> us laugh. It would make me really All happy. All right. Peace and love, everyone. Bye, Keith. All right. See you, man.